0: You're listening to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast. The show about photography, design, creativity and more. With your hosts, Dave Clayton and Alan Hess. Hello, welcome back to another episode of He Shoots, He Draws. And this time, this episode, we have a guest that's been two years in the making. And the reason why it's been two years in the making is because I originally wanted her on the show after we did our talk at Creative South. And unfortunately... We had a pandemic and Creative South got postponed for two years, but we finally got together and we put together our talk and we appeared at Creative South a couple of weeks ago as we speak today and it was immense. So I'd like to introduce a very, very special friend, the young lady, Miss Diane Gibbs. Mrs. Diane Gibbs. Hello, Diane.
1: Hello, thanks, Dave and Alan. <laughs> uh, it's so good to see you again via Zoom. It's always good to be in person, though, with you, Dave.
0: Oh, I know. Um, so Diane and I have, have had a lot of chats. We talk about a lot of the similar things. We both met at Creative South. Um, I'll just tell a quick story how I met Diane. So I went to my first Creative South because of Astute Graphics, Um and it was an event that I'd always kind of had my eye on. And everyone was saying, oh, it's, you know, it's the it's the best community. Uh, a lot of events you go and learn Photoshop and InDesign and Illustrator. But this event doesn't teach you anything. You don't sit down and do, you don't sit down and do like Photoshop and stuff. You just go and talk to people and listen to talks. And I decided to go to a workshop by Master of One because I wanted to see... We just started the podcast anyway and I just wanted to see that what I was doing were kind of the right things and and I love the Master of One guys, so I wanted to support them. Um and I went over to registration and there was this young lady and she was signing people in and um this guy comes in and she was getting his name wrong and it was just that it just resonated with me the way she handled herself. And uh I didn't know who she was. I kind of saw what was going on and then got introduced to her again later on and then we just became fast friends and it was just yeah this I get this person I I get who she is and and then over time it transpired we were very very similar in the way we approach things so that was our introduction now this episode is going to be about Diane I want to find out a little bit more about her because like most people I know I know who they are from when I meet them but I don't really know a lot about them from before so can you introduce yourself to our listeners who won't have heard of you, Diane, and just tell her, tell us what you currently do right now. If, if you're in a bar and someone says, what do you do for a living, what, what's your uh, What's your response to that?
1: I would probably try to figure out what would benefit them of the things that I do, because you know, there's lots of things I do that take up my time that people would be like, well, I don't care about that. Well, I don't care about that.
2: Um
1: <laughs> So I would probably like frame it or I might ask another question to them. But um, I'll tell you some weird things and then some things that you're probably expecting me to say. Um, so, So a weird thing is that I live on four acres, which maybe the people in the UK don't know, but it's you can look it up. I don't know what the it's a it's a good bit of land. And we don't use it for anything, which my other friends in the UK are like, well, do you rent out part of that for people to live on? Nope. We just, I get to mow it. I get to mow it. (laughs) And I have a a riding lawnmower that is a zero turn mower. Do you know what that, it's like a go-kart. You can go really fast and it's really fun. And I love to vacuum also. So I just feel like I'm going out to the yard to vacuum. I don't pick up my grass. I mean, it's just four acres. You're just in the country. Anyway, so that's a random one you didn't expect. But then to make money, I don't mow grass. That would be maybe fun later in my life. Um, I'll do that. But I uh, teach graphic design, and I also have been a graphic designer for since 1996. So however many years this is, clearly I'm not a mathemati- ma- math- mathematician or a speech person. Um, and then um, the other is... I So I do a lot of web design and then I really love, like you Dave, I love people and I love community and as a result of bringing people together and doing lots of things, I've um, done groups and I have a camp that I do in the summer for creative entrepreneurs, but really what I love is to see people on their entrepreneurial journey and what I really love is solopreneurs who've been working alone. And they don't realize that they need the support or they know they need the support, but they don't know who to get the support from. And so then I just am walking with them on their journey, helping them by bringing other people in. And that was probably a really terrible introduction, but I like to mow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's like a lot of people Alan and I know who are in, in the industry for, you know, depending on what they do for designers or photographers. And you always sort of say, so when do you actually get time to be you? Because when you get that answer of all the things you do it's when do you get time to be you? I mean do you get do you get the quality downtime you need and what is your down I mean what is your downtime?
1: So um Dave and I talked about this at our talk but he is an introvert and I'm an extrovert. So downtime to me means I'm sleeping. <laughs> you know um it it's not as necessary I really like being around people. But I do listen to books when I'm, or in podcasts when I'm mowing. So it's about a three-hour mow uh, job every week, um, and it starts up now. So I'm really excited. I really do love to mow, and so I listen to books. And my husband will be like telling me to come in; it's storming or about to storm, and I'm just listening to Malcolm Gladwell or some some other business book or something. And um, I'm just, I just love. To do that, so downtime is more refueling. Is when I'm with people. So at Creative South, it was an incredibly refueling time for me.
0: Yeah, I when I speak to people about, I mean, Alan's seen me at Adobe Max. It's I I get off on that. I love the the whole going around and chatting to people and seeing who else is around. Mostly because. I have to make such a big journey to get over there that I don't want to waste the time while I'm there, and I feel bad sometimes when I come back that maybe I should have gone to lunch with someone or maybe I should have just gone and done that extra thing, but I mean that I love going to Adobe max with allen and it's it's on a much faster scale but i I do get energized by going around and seeing as many people as I
1: can. Maybe you're an extrovert,
0: <laughs> maybe.
2: I just have to comment. My wife's goal in life is to have a riding lawnmower. I mean, that's literally like we don't have we don't have two acres. We have like nine thousand square feet. But um, this year, I bought her an electric mower because she got so mad at the fact that she couldn't start the the gas one half the time. That people were like, "Why did you buy your wife a lawnmower?" So I'm like, "You don't understand. That is her, like." Being able to mow the lawn is her thing, and she wants a riding lawnmower. So you are just moved up to, like, hero level in when, <laughs> when I tell you about, about this. I mean, the fact that you have a library card catalog and you have a riding lawnmower, you're like, that's it. You're good.
1: Provide and that cake. was what I led with, Alan, right? I led <laughs> yeah. with mowing. That is literally There's... what I – my husband – I will get mad at him if he mows – he has a certain section that he likes to mow, and <laughs> I'm like, old. you That's went over. Part. Yeah, I'm like, you went over your section. Why? And he painted my my. It's an old mower, so he had refurbished it. He puts he can re. He's a welder and an artist, but for uh, money, he fixes people's lawnmowers and you know small engine repair and stuff like that. And so one time, my friend Megan, she was having a bad day. She was our printmaker, and I was like, Do you want to come over and ride my lawnmower? And she was like what and i was like i didn't think it was that weird of a question because it's so much fun to do and she was like no and i was like i mean you don't have to mow anything you could just ride it you know it's just fun and then my friend hannah who dave met hannah at creative stuff she came over and she like went in the neighbor's yard and i was like whoa hannah this is our (laughs) this is the line (laughs) don't go past this line she was like this was awesome i'm like i know it really is but it's, I love, it's like cleaning and my my husband never says anything about, you need to go in this path or this pattern. <coughs> I feel like I'm like a baseball diamond kind of thing. You know how they all always do it in a yeah. different way. I do it different every single time, sometimes circles, sometimes diagonals, you know.
2: Uh, I have a theory that because I think that it's one of those things that when you're done, there's something that's been accomplished. It's it's because for me, when I when I'm doing a whole bunch of different projects all at once, after a while, I get burned and I'm like, I got to finish one thing so that I can at least have a sense of accomplishment on one thing. Then I can move on to the next thing. And mowing the lawn is one of those things. Well, not two acres, but we have a little backyard where we can power it up and get it done in about 20 minutes. And you feel like not only is there something accomplished, but you can visually see it. It's like totally an actual like, oh my God, we did something today. Now we can go sit on the couch. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, at
0: least I don't have to do that again for another three weeks. <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyway, welcome to another episode of He Cuts, She Mows.
1: <laughs> That's right. I really love it. You should, it's a great time outside, you know.
0: It's a, it's a therapeutic thing. I and mean, I know anything I can do. Where I can listen to a podcast because I've I've been downloading audio books and like so many people recommend books to me. I'm not a big reader. I'm more of a I like books about stuff. I like to educate myself about stuff rather than read long autobiographies. So I've got books lined up, but then it was people going, "Oh, you should download audio books and then you can listen to them." But I need the time. I need an hour's drive or I need uninterrupted time. Unfortunately, our garden. If I do our garden, I listen to a podcast. If I drive on a journey, I'll listen to a bit of an audio book. But I've got, like, five audio books I've started that I haven't finished. I did download the Obama, Barack Obama one. That's, like, 48 hours long. I'm never going to get through that.
1: <laughs> you have to start listening at a little bit faster. So I listen to everything at 1.4. <clears> and if they're really slow, I go to 1.7 and audible. And so then that way... Um, I'll t- so, speed I'll, it up. I, wa- yeah, it makes it like it says there's 12 hours left, but I know there's just 10 hours left because I yeah. listen to
2: everything I a think, little bit faster. I think
0: people listen to our podcast on 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's
0: it's much like reading from our presentation deck on stage, just really, really fast. <laughs> for, for those who get, don't get what I've said there, I just got to say, so Diane and I... Uh, we did this talk at Creative South and it was called How to Be a Super Friend. And we are going to do an episode specifically about that subject another time um, because there's a lot of people from Creative South that are going to be on this podcast as well. Uh, but one of the things we did was we were having to practice it over... Over weeks, months, um putting it together, Diane created this really awesome InDesign deck and she'd send it to me and I'd have my bits and send it back. And we're gradually crunching it down, crunching it down. And then we came up with well, I say we, Diane came up with this absolutely wonderful presentation deck. So we exported it to PDF, um, so that we could use it as slides. And it was still and then, great. It was still it, it was still great, still Yes and it but it didn't feel like it it could because a lot of it went quick now every day's a learning day and something here's a tip here's a pro tip when somebody says you can't use your pdf for the presentation because you won't be able to see the next slide we need to put it in keynote don't export don't export as a pdf but individual pages to place them in keynote export them as jpegs because When you export it as a PDF, the typefaces stay live. So when you put it in Keynote, Keynote goes, well, I haven't got any of these fonts. Are you something I've got on my system? Probably Myriad. Um, So we step up on stage. The presentation starts. We hadn't seen. we, We hadn't checked it. They literally did it like minutes before. And we got on stage and I think the look on our faces when we looked down at the monitor and we could just see all the kerning and the type and things have been squished together and it was two graphic designers on stage with probably the worst worst presentation in terms of layout but the good thing was was everybody got it they realized what had happened I think we we rode through it I thought really well
1: I thought your tip was hey guys don't have Diane do your deck that would be (laughs) even even better tip for people
0: But the good the good the pro tip there is um actually to do your presentation in InDesign. And I I learned something from this because the way you were building it um is the fact that if you build it in InDesign, it can become something else. So you can make it a PDF or a book and you can cross-purpose it. Whereas if you're always doing keynote, it's not as flexible. So I really love what you did. But um, anyway, this isn't about that. This is about you and your llama. So what's your top 10 llama? No.
1: <laughs> I thought you said my llama at first. I'm yeah. like, I don't have a llama but i get it four
0: acres you've got no llamas (laughs) right i'm gonna um, i'm gonna take you back a little bit okay so obviously when we were on stage we we told everyone between us we we are combined 108 years old which obviously made you 30 so (laughs) so let's go back to 16 to 18 year old young diane when you were at school what what did you think you were going to be compared to what you've ended up doing?
1: So I didn't know what graphic design was. I did like being outside and I did like people. So I got the lawn mowing with the outside and the people with um, everything else I do, I guess. And I, I was a lifeguard, so I I was a good rule follower, so I should have known. But even as like... Um, I was very entrepreneurial, so way before this in like fourth grade, I had my first business called the Bookmark Maker. We didn't have a computer. You with your fancy dot matrix printout of your beautiful face, Dave. <laughs> I We didn't have that. Um, and so for me, it was that... I did all these bookmarks and then I have a bit, really, my mom's one of 11 and so have a big family. And so I was like, I'm just going to sell it to my aunts and uncles and cousins. And um, so I probably went around and then I was like, oh, I don't really want to make these again. So that I should have known as a designer at that point. Um, so I was entrepreneurial and I was also, I didn't want to be a printmaker or draw something over and over and over. I wanted to Just hit print, right? But there wasn't that option for me. Um, You only have one more week that we're only 108. So next week I turn uh, turn 25. No, next week, (laughs) next week (laughs) I I turn 49. So it will be. um, But I think that as a you know as a lifeguard. So I started working when I was sixteen and I think that there are certain things that you do, but as a lifeguard it's so a solo kind of thing, but I was always at a really busy pool, so you were monitoring and so you have to keep your eyes on the little kids in the shallow end, you have to keep other things and sometimes you just have to have some organization so that there's kids aren't fighting or whatever, so that we'd play different games. I mean, I was still on the stand, but they would play different games in the um deep end or so there was this organization of people and also getting people together to do, perform things. So when a kid was bad, I didn't make them sit out. They had to clean things so or count like the tiles in the pool. I didn't know how many tiles there were. I would be <laughs> like, I need you to count how many. And they were like, really? Because they didn't want to not get out, but they knew they had to keep. That was not fun to count black tiles or the white tiles or something or clean them, you know, with the scrubby thing or whatever. Yeah. So. I think um, I was it was a lot about motivation, but I loved like getting uh, uh, kids of all ages together that were playing. And um, so it was that was a good kind of um, as designers that we were talking about earlier. Alan was saying, you know, there's all these things we're trying to do and you don't really get done with anything. So it's kind of like that in our in our field. But as a lifeguard, there was always kids that were leaving or other kids were coming so it was this constant kind of influx but at the end of the day I closed it up and I went away I um I was the only girl lifeguard at a water park um I was the only girl lifeguard that was allowed to be at the wave pool and I think it's because I'm so loud and I would tell people (laughs) to um you couldn't say stop it had to everything be positive so it would be like walk and I would just yell, walk, um, and I think I was the loudest. I mean, I'm definitely the shortest. I wasn't probably the strongest swimmer, but man, I only had to go in like three times in one summer, you know, and this is like at the beach where people go in the water all the time, you know. But it was at a way pool and I, I was they would it would be me and all these really buff boys, but I was the loudest.
0: I would I'd just like to say I've sat next to Diane. <laughs> And I can guarantee she does not need a microphone. <laughs> but not not in like, you know, like some people have got um like Janice from Friends. They're like, oh my god, like that kind. Diane's just is able to kind of get her voice onto this like other sound wave where where it carries really well. And then um where everyone's where we were sat and someone was doing a presentation, everyone's going, Woo, woo yeah. And Diane's right in my ear just goes, <laughs> and I just sat laughing because it was like it was the perfect noise because it carried so much further but I think what like you say what you do the who you are is you because of the way you carry yourself you need to be heard because I think the way you want to get your information and your point across is communications kit like super key for you because there's no point being super efficient and organized and then being quiet as a mouse so i kind of get why you've i I still don't i I think we spoke about this the whole introvert extrovert thing you're probably too pigeonholed um for for the way people are but i think confident um you you definitely have to have the confidence to to see out what you want to do
1: Well, and I think it's also about, like, you had talked about being a wingman. So, it's just really... I'm, like, people's hype person. So... If me and Alan went to a conference, I would learn all these things about Alan. I would know more than that his wife wants a riding lawnmower, right? Um, I would learn some really specific things about his photography and the things that he likes to do and the way he likes to shoot or something. And then I would point, and it may be something that he's doing new that he wants to do. And then I would be like, oh, my gosh, have you met my friend Alan? He blah, 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 blah. And then it, he, I I think I'm a good wingman and, in a way of like a hype person, but I do it because I really do think that we all have these amazing, you know, golden nuggets in us. And that sometimes we're just like, just like, do you think this is cool? And then. You know, hopefully your friends would be like, no, that's stupid. Don't talk about that again. Or be like, <laughs> um, yeah, go into that. Try a little bit. What you got's not there yet. But keep going. Keep going. And I think that if you don't ever share it with somebody, how can anybody ever see what's your superpower? You know?
0: Yeah. Well, you, one of the things, if people don't know who you are, you've got a podcast that you've been doing for, I think, 10 years now. 10 years
1: said. in June. It'll be yeah. the first week S- of June.
0: So... But you had your business beforehand so what was the point where kind of you decided i'm going to run my own business this is what i'm going to do that that led into becoming the podcast because 10 years ago like podcasting was relatively um, relatively new i remember working on a podcast in 2000 and uh, 2008 2009 and back then it was kind of groundbreaking stuff so even 10 years ago, there's still a, a long time in podcasting. So what was the, um, the, the start of your business?
1: So as a professor, I have to. Um, so if I was like a biologist, which thank goodness I'm not. Um, if I was, I'd be like cutting up frogs and like producing some, you know, papers on. Frog guts or something, right? Yeah. I probably wouldn't have a job, but okay. So, bestseller, yeah, bestseller. Um, but I would be like experimenting or doing something. Well, it's the same thing in in design. We're supposed to be winning awards, and it's difficult to always be competing against people who are doing this full time, right? So I'm teaching, and then I'm running a business. But luckily, we have, you know, um, a certain amount part of my week I'm paid to to have clients and to do work and so that I'm staying up in the field and I was hitting a plateau I was doing a lot of work at some clients in California and I don't know why I was like really attracted I I got um usually it's a friend of a friend and it was um somebody in Cupertino California which is north of um where Alan is um and I was doing a retirement residence and um Anyway, and so then I worked for them for a long time, but I was just getting, so I was doing ads and stuff for probably every week. I would probably do two or three ads for this retirement. I mean, it wasn't my only client, but this was the only client that was doing this. And then I got another retirement community in, uh, in, um, near Cupertino, kind of one of their competitors And then I got another one in Colorado. And I mean, it was like weird. Diane's doing the retirement crew, you know, like, I don't know. Um, I do other things too, but it was, it, it was really, you know, it was busy. You were, I was doing ads. So I was producing ads. And then, you know, this is kind of the beginning of, for me, remote work. So I started in 2003 doing that kind of work. And by two thousand Ten, I was like hitting a plateau, and I went to a conference that was a teachers' conference, like a, a graphic design professors, and that was really cool. And I, I went in 2010. And I went again in 2011, and it was like this resurgent. It was like youth group when you're a kid, you know, you go to youth camp or something, and it was like once a year you got time with these people, and then you didn't really see them again, but you would be doing or they would be inspiring you and then in 2012 i was like i do not want to wait um so i had seen them in 2011 and it's in in october and so i was like i don't want to wait until october to be inspired anymore i want to be inspired weekly and youtube was really it, you know, they came on the scene maybe two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Um, but it wasn't like it is now as well. And um there were some podcasts and there were some video podcasts that I was following and there was this new um platform called Spreecast. they also they were based out of um in in California. Um the guy who did StubHub, he was the guy who started that. Anyway, and people would go and it was like a room and then you you could be asked in to be seen on camera. Otherwise, it was just your picture in a chat. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so much fun. Like, talk about rejuvenating. I think I figured it out in um, March of 2012. And then I started playing on it with and meeting people. And, I mean, not creepy people. Like, these were just like we were talking about business. And it was I, – I always feel like my husband was like, who are these – Internet friends, Diane, you know, making fun of me of, like, my real friends. And he says, he's like, Diane, are they real friends? And you can cut this out if you need to. Um, But he said, he's like, um, I don't know. if I think I told you this already, Dave. But Alan doesn't know. And so he said, I said, yeah, John, these are real friends. He's like, are they fart-in-the-car friends, Diane? And I was like, <laughs> I was yeah. like, some of them would be, some of them I would be like, I don't know about that, but, um. But it was, it's, you know, it's a different kind of thing, but you guys have shared a room. Y'all know you've been, you know, gone to conferences multiple times together and it, you, you, you know, you're real friends. I'm real friends with people that I've met on the internet. And some of those people I'm still friends with from Spreecast days. And I was so excited. They sent me a t-shirt, a Spreecast t-shirt, cause I was on there so much, I guess. And, um, and you, it was just like the beginning of a platform, which was really cool. But what I did was I started doing every Wednesday, I would interview people that I knew. Um, and then some people that I didn't know about different topics about graphic design and I was just, I'm just curious. So I would ask a lot of questions. I would prepare it so that they would have the questions in advance. And I had listened to this one guy, David Seitman Garland, who was doing podcasts in 2007, 2008, right? And it was like a video and audio podcast. You could download either one at that time. Apple had both video and um, audio ones. And then there was some other people. And so this one guy, he had said, I, I I was like, I'm going to do this after that, like from March to May, I was like, okay, I'm making a commitment. I'd made a brand and started doing design recharge is what I called it, um, for almost all of 10 years. And I, but what I was in my business, I was just lacking like my, when I would go to these conferences, I would get energized and I would be around these people and I would get ideas. And I was like, I want this learning to be something that happens often not something that's just once in a while and I saw my designs go from kind of static to I would take what people were doing learn you know like this one girl was um, talking about how she had gotten a ton of images off of the um, like the in Britain you have a library the for us in America, it is the Library of Congress, which we have yeah. access to. I think it's the British Archives yeah. or something. Yes, yeah. Not that I've ever used that illegally for anything um no i haven't but but it's there for y'all to use and for us in america we can use the library of congress and these are really high res images so then i start pulling in things other things people are teaching me about typography or they're teaching me and since i'm curious i'm learning and then i'm trying am i put? i'm putting stuff in my work so i did this one series that ended up winning awards because i have to enter awards to keep my research time or whatever. And so from Cupertino, and it was like, if I had not had the podcast or whatever I was calling the web show, I think I was calling it at the time. um, If I hadn't had that, I wouldn't have had these inspirations. So to me, it was just this constant um ability to refuel my tank in and trying new things. And so I really, really, liked that and this is really long i guess so um
0: no that's no, a great answer
1: so so then i ended up um continuing on and then i asked people that i didn't know people i'd read their books and i will always wanted to have their book finished before i had them on which it's really hard if you're interviewing a lot of authors i was like i gotta space these guys out a little bit you know i'd be like running on the treadmill just trying to listen to somebody at 1.7 or something you know just to try to get through the whole book and I would take audio notes um, on Audible. You can take audio notes, which Siri doesn't hear me real well. So sometimes I'm looking back and I'm like, what? What, what was that? I don't know what that comment was. I seriously doubt what that was in the book. Um, but it, it made a difference to me and it's made a really big difference to my design. But the one thing I will say is that I always wanted to keep that live aspect so just like us right now, nobody can see, but we are all looking at each other and it's really helpful um, as opposed to just doing it in a with a black screen and you're like, can they hear me? Was that funny? Did yeah. that land? You know, it, did he go to the bathroom? Is he still here? You know, right? Um, <laughs> those kinds of um, bits. So I, but the one thing was, is that I always like to do it live. So I did it on a spree cast for two years or however long they were in existence And then I moved to some other platforms. I've I've done a lot of platforms. And now I do a Zoom webinar. For probably about four years, I've been doing Zoom webinar. So that means people can come live um, and they can ask their questions. I always put their questions in front of my questions. I mean, I set the stage and ask some. But then, um, so there's this whole community. Some people I've never met in person and some people I have met in person. But I try to come early so that if they come enough, I try to remember where they're from. And if I can't remember, like this fella, I try, I put it on a sheet of paper and I keep it in front of me because I don't want to have to ask somebody multiple times where they're from. So I have this cheat sheet on my computer or around my computer so I know where so and so's from, you know, so that they feel like they're coming that i know them i mean i really only think like 24 people come every week you know maybe i have some more downloads but that's than that.
0: that's 24 people that matter that they've 24 people take time out of their day to come and listen to you and that's what we said when we did the podcast i mean i admire you for doing it live i admire you for doing it on video because one of the things i loved about the podcast format was i don't like being on screen and i don't know when we were talking about. The presentation we said about my um my portfolio there isn't one. By the same token, there is no Instagram lives of me. There's no Facebook lives of me. There's no Twitter live. I don't do live video. I don't do video. I just like the fact that I can just do audio and not have to worry about it. There are times where maybe we've had a guest that maybe a video version would be better maybe a live i mean we, we've we done things like send in your questions ask us anything we get no response i mean i we we, we did one i mean it's weird we get like recently we get getting between like five and six hundred listeners where you know because it is different there's a lot more podcasts but grateful for that that the fact that, that many people turn up and listen um like i said on 10 times speed so they don't have to listen for five minutes but we, we said, oh, if anyone's listening, just like send us an email with anything in, just anything, and I'll give you a t-shirt. We didn't even get one email. So the interaction side of maybe just doing the way we do it is probably where we lack where you've got. I've sat in a few of yours, <clears throat> and it you feel kind of special when you ask a question and the host goes, hey, Dave from the UK is here or Alan from San Diego is here and he's asked. And I think it makes you feel part of it, part of the conversation rather than just listening to it. So I, I admire you for the work you put into it because I just listened to, um, I Debbie. just watched Debbie, Debbie's and it was like I met Debbie and, you know, another person who, fast friends, got on really well. Um, wanted to find out more about her you posted that you did the thing so I sat and watched it the other night uh, and I messaged and said I'm sat here on a Saturday night watching an interview with you and Diane Uh, and I just love that you had that kind of um, sort of authentic chat feel about it I know she'd prepared a deck but I just love finding out about people like that so maybe Alan we did try um, we tried wisdom didn't we a uh, bit like bit like clubhouse um that did not go well wisdom, wisdom wisdom app sorry wisdom but you've got a lot of work to do but we thought about maybe trying a clubhouse type thing where it will be live live audio but not video but i think i think i'm gonna have to step up and do some i know when i did the interview one of you did video so yeah maybe need to step up and we'll do a video one but we'll dress smartly for it and have a nicer background i have to clean
2: my desk first (laughs) yeah i just just was interviewed on a podcast and right before we started recording i realized that they did video too and kept me incredibly paranoid for the next two hours as i tried to stare directly into the camera at every single moment so as not to you know, I, I tend to... My eyes tend to drift all over the places as, as conversations happen and when I realise people are actually looking at me and can see, like, they start looking around me at all the stuff around, and I'm like, I need to really clean yeah. up my desk and put away all the little action figures and the toys and the comic books and the camera pieces and... the I'm and
0: gone. Can. I'm gone. If they've got a bookshelf, I'm <laughs> yeah. um, just that. i am just... Move out of the way. <laughs> I just want to see the books on your shelf. Anyway, Diane, so...
2: Well, she threw out something in the middle of that, that I just wanted to know that people brushed over completely. The fact that she's a professor, (laughs) I just like, just want to mention that like being a professor is not like one of those things that you get to just throw out and then brush aside. Cause most people are not professors. Most people do not get college degrees and go into education. So I'm a little curious as to not a long story, but like, was that part of your plan was to actually be a professor or was that like a byproduct of other things that happened
1: so i when i was in college i felt so i had a professor that really or a few professors that really made a big difference to me and they really made a big uh it wasn't so much design i did study design and but i um Anyway, so they made a big impact on me. At that time, like as a 20-year-old, I was like, one day I want to be a professor. And I really had felt called to be a professor, to do to someone like they had done to me. And so then I, um, when I was working, I worked in Denver. I moved from... Uh, I grew up in Atlanta, I moved to Auburn, which is a small town in Alabama, and that's where I went to school, Auburn University, and then I moved to Denver, and I worked as a designer for five years. And then from there, I was working at a corporation, and two weeks after I got hired, the my boss, the best boss of my whole life, um, still to this day, she's still awesome, she was who my friend Jody, uh, who Dave got to meet also, she and I both worked for Teresa, and Teresa came up to me. <laughs> two weeks in, I mean, usually people like me. Anyway, she was like, are you still looking for a job? And I was like, Google? Oh, uh, what? Um, <laughs> I didn't know what to say. <laughs> I was like, what have I done? Like, did I pee in my chair? I don't know. Like, what happened that made you not want me? You know, I couldn't think... Be- and she's like no no we like you fine you're doing fine they've just told i've just come out of a meeting and they're dissolving the marketing department and i always think i love jesus and so when i always think when god closes one door like if you're not listening he's gonna be keep on closing till you get out of there and so i was like okay okay i got it i got it i'm gonna my sister was like well why don't you apply for um per, why don't you go get your master's you said you always wanted to be a professor and i was like yeah i'm having too much fun out here snowboarding and hiking i'm not ready to do this so but then i was like two weeks in okay lord i got you so i just decided to apply i got in they still didn't dissolve the marketing department for like another seven years and then my best friend tara works there now in the marketing department (laughs) which i think is just you know they dissolved it for like two or three years and then they brought it back and it, you know, oh, well, it's just, so that's what I did. I went and I got a, uh, my master's and i said, okay, where's the best school I could go to. That's a public school. I needed public school tuition. And, um, I went to VCU and <coughs> which was a good, really good school for typography, which I knew I needed help on. So then I went there and then the first job I got was where I still am. And I've gotten other job offers since, but, um, I've stayed here cause I only have Five more years six more years before i can retire which is really good That's... i think i mean i'm not retiring i'm not going to stop working but i will but anyway well might stop. you know i don't want anybody to be like oh you can't take a sabbatical i heard you on this podcast they said you were <laughs> retiring <laughs> whatever you know what i mean maybe so
0: basically you can retire when you get to my age then is I can, what you're saying i can
1: retire at 55 and oh. which is um i mean it it just means that I would get money back, you know. I would be paid for however many years, like fifty thousand dollars or something. Which, not a month, man. Wouldn't that be awesome? Fifty thousand dollars a month? Whip whip. Yeah, no, we're not making that kind of money down here in <laughs> Alabama. Uh, being a professor, but I felt called to Alan. So it and it, I definitely teaching them about design, but I'm teaching them about loving what they're doing, creative block, uh, leaning in, getting some grit, trying hard, working hard, loving on them more than I am so much about design.
0: Yeah, because what you did turned into a coaching program as well because you're recharging your website you, you have groups i know you do a lot of calls with people um i know obviously uh, chris doe if, if anyone has seen chris go and check him out but um, there's a lot of information that chris, i know he's a really good friend of yours and i know coaching is really important to you um so i mean you obviously feel comfortable doing that what what have you got? What's the biggest thing you think you've got out of that from, from investing in that time on other people? Because, you know, again, it's, this is all time. This is all time you're putting in. You're a professor, you run a podcast, you're a graphic designer, you're coaching and you sleep half an hour a day when you're on the lawnmower. <laughs> yeah,
1: no. no, I'm definitely awake on the lawnmower because it's so much fun. Um, <laughs> I think what I get out of it is I just love being, I love, I love people and I love, being part of their journey and I love seeing when they share something that they're trying and then but they don't feel confident about it yet for me to be able to be like you should try keep pouring in I remember um, Suzanne who works with Dustin at Retro Supply she was like I hate web design she was in my class and I was like well why do you have to do it like everybody else she's like what do you mean And I said why don't you she loved cut paper I was like why don't you do your design all cut paper She's like, I can do that. I was like, you can do whatever you want to do. You know that your website would absolutely be different if you kept proportions correctly, but then you did cut paper, and that was what she did. And she was like, oh, just made it. Think I just thought about it differently, and I mean, I think that's what I like about teaching, but it's also what I like about helping. Most of the entrepreneurs that that I'm helping have been in the business for a minimum of 10 years. Some of them have been in for over 20 or over 25. And so it's not people who have just been like, um, you know, they they know what they're doing. They've pivoted. They've honed in on what they're doing. But they've also been doing it alone. So their confidence is low. It could be moms that are returning. It's dads who have uh, lost a job and now they're pivoting and they're doing something else. And what I've seen is that so, so many people are just like, if you're like this, what you're doing is really cool. It's different. I'm like out there, I'm searching, I see what's out there. Um, And it's like, I think this is something, this seems to light you up. This seems to like get your, you know, balls rolling, you're ready to go, like you keep trying to explore. And sometimes they just need, my friend Paul will say, oh, Diane, it's like you hold a mirror up to me because you're just repeating it in different words, what I've said to you, but it's how you're interpreting it. And I just love being on that journey with people because I think it can be really lonely to own your own business. It can be really lonely.
0: Yeah. Something you do that I notice Chris does, which is a really good way of making people feel comfortable about the questions they're asking is the way you both don't just answer a question. So I noticed Chris was doing it because I shared a cab ride with him back to the airport um, and Scott Fuller was with us <clears throat> and Scott was asking him some questions. And it was interesting that Scott would be like, how do? I, how could I increase my social media presence? And Chris would be, well, what do you want from your, he was like, he'd, he'd ask three questions of Scott before he'd give an answer now one thing it's a great way of buying some thinking time but i think you do it as well it's uh well i can't just answer that question cold you know blank like that i need to know more about it so i think that is something i've learned from from being around you is don't just ask don't just give your opinion because that's the thing i struggle with is because i am older
1: and a writer an and a writer, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, um, but I realized that some of the things I got wrong i I realized I was like forty four not forty two when it all started, but I've had like two lives I've had half my life with no computers and half my life with computers, and when I see what what youngsters like this new generation coming through have got, I think I feel i'm I'm not good at giving advice because. I'm like, man, if only, if only I could have had what you've got when I was 25. Right now, I would not be complaining. I, 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 the the opportunities you have to be creative, um, you know, like I've said before on the podcast, when I left school, there was there was never a talk of me running my own business. There was never, you know, unless you were a plumber, an electrician, uh, a gardener. Uh, an engineer, yeah, unless you had a trade, you'd go and do an apprenticeship, and maybe one day, but there was never like, oh yeah, I'm going to run my own design agency, my own design studio, and we know people who are, you know, 18, 19, 20, who run their own business, so I, I find it hard to kind of give the right kind of advice to people, because it's like, well, I don't really, I don't really know, you've got so many options available to you, it's, How are you struggling to be creative? And I know it's a a bad thing to say because it's it's my young life is not relevant to today's young life. But it's like, oh God, if I if only I could go back and be twenty five for a day with with what I've got available to me now, I think I would be a completely different person.
1: Yeah,
0: but so it's like, well. It's getting it in order, I guess. It's understanding your base level, your foundation, and then building on top what the things you layer that makes you the person you are to be successful. That's that's the thing I struggle with.
1: But think about imagination. Do you remember as kids, yeah. we'd go and play in the creek? I don't know if y'all had creeks over there. You
0: ever... uh, we play in the woods,
1: yeah. Well, we have creeks with woods. Um, Alan, yeah. did you grow up in San Diego?
2: Uh, I grew up in South Africa, actually and uh, oh. moved to San Diego when we were 12 so we had all kinds of I grew up on the beach but it's the same yes I mean, you would we... skateboard
1: probably or okay. you would you know like there's all <laughs> kinds of things that you would do have you ever seen that movie that you are my teacher my octopus or whatever that yes took, took place yeah. in South, Af- South yeah, yeah. Africa yeah. anyway um, I loved that movie um, and I have ADHD if that's not clear um, and I didn't take my <laughs> medicine uh, at lunchtime sorry about that um but anyway but i think we had imaginations we didn't have video games that we were just glued to the tv we didn't have something that would just fuel us so maybe what i see is uh the students that are my students in college now they have their phones and they've had their phones they've always had some sort of device but imagination may not be their best thing but we had to like make up our own invisible friends and you know like little jimmy wasn't around so we had to play with our fake penguin or something you know that we were making up and maybe there was an advantage that we had that they can't even imagine and that's Mm. why so much technology came out of our generations and generations behind us because we had an imagination we were like oh this could be better or can you imagine if this was this or you know it I think that we didn't have, we didn't experience the great depression like our parents did. So then we didn't ever have that kind of really, we were very blessed in what we had. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Be- because um, yeah, ima- the imagination of being a kid, I mean, it's I've, I've said it before is like, we, we don't know what's coming in 10 years time. So we can't, uh, we can't, compare what we've got to something that's not coming so you know when i was in my early 20s anything that was technological was on star trek you know and and now and now there's so much that's in star trek that's in everyday life you know Uh, the door was going when tricorders when when
2: motorola introduced the razor flip phone for the ungodly amount of money that it cost for a cell phone that no one needed I wanted that thing so badly, just because you could flip it open, like just to be
0: Captain Kirk. Just
2: because it—I <laughs> mean—it appealed to every part of me on like a molecular level that it was something that I not just wanted, but obviously this was the future because I saw it as a child and now it existed and I needed to have it. Um, but I have nephews who my my nephew is. Uh, 16 now i think somewhere in there he's learning to drive it's scary um and he plays video games with his friends and they actually go and have a video game competition against other schools with his friends like as a child i would have thought that is insane i also would have given you know the left side of my body to do that that would have been the ultimate thing to do this is his reality I'm not sure it's any better or worse than how I grew up. They're definitely it's different, be- it's isn't it? very different. Um, and I can't tell them that what they've got is worse or better, but I, I think it all comes down to there's people in this world who try to help other people with their creativity. And that's why you start a podcast for 10 years before anyone's heard of the word podcasting or you call everything design retard, because you see that other people can get a kick out of what you're doing and you help them along. There's also the exact opposite type of people out there, and we've all dealt with them, who guard everything as if it's a personal secret that they were handed down and no one's allowed to share it. And you're never allowed to tell anyone else how to do stuff because they might take something away from you. And if that is how you believe and that's how you feel, you are never going to be looked up as someone who helps their community. We are insanely lucky that in the past, helping the community was usually the people who literally lived in your town or village or neighborhood or, you know, even city. If you're lucky enough to be in a big city, we've turned it into a worldwide community. It's become this. Uh, okay, so we're all a little crazy, and we'll jump on a plane and fly across the world to go to a conference to meet a bunch of other people just like us. And we're we'll all stand around, and we will learn absolutely nothing. But we will go home feeling like it is the most invigorating weekend of our lives, and you know we can't wait till the next one. And you know Adobe Max comes to mind, Photoshop World comes to mind, and we'll create a south for you guys. Um, Nowadays, we saw with this pandemic that that is becoming a hybrid thing, where you can do it online and you can do it in person and you can do both of them together. And it's still, I think, is what drives the entire industry forward. And some companies that are smart enough to pick up on this, Adobe did it very early with Adobe Max. Is if we can get them all in the same building, you know, and get them all to be excited at the same time about the same stuff we can get them all to use our products and we can show them how to be more creative with our stuff. And I've, um, I just think it's fascinating and you are definitely like way out in front of that lead because podcasts for 10 years is like, I don't even know. I mean, like, it, are there any others that exist for that long? To like, to, to Oh yeah there, I mean, <laughs> yeah. there were plenty. Yeah, <laughs> there I mean, were plenty.
1: There were. So,
2: but they're not any, like, they die oh, right. out. They die out. You're still going. Yes. Yeah. That is the, and it's, you know, a lot of people start things, not a lot of people finish them or continue them. You're,
0: you know? a, you're a podcast queen. Yeah,
2: there, I mean, was this,
1: there was this guy who said uh, his name's Srini Rao, and I believe he still has the unmistakable creative or something. Um, and I had jumped on a spree cast with him, and of course, I was just trying to help him out. And um but he had said not at that time but in another podcast episode he said you got to make a commitment for 5 years and i mean man somebody tells me something like i am like a really good rule follower like they're like don't you gum here i won't i won't chew gum i will walk at the pool you know there are things i'm going to do um and i guess i should have been catholic because i like have a ton of guilt if i did something wrong you know like (laughs) i that would have been i would have been great if i was catholic um but there was when he said five years i remember my aunt saying to me i said i was i was at my parents house and we were eating lunch and she asked me what i was doing and i said oh i've started a podcast and she's like what is that and so i told her and Um, she's like well how who's making you do this so I'm like (laughs) no one me and then I remember my dad saying and this was probably four or five years in he said um does your boss watch Diane and I was like you know dad my boss is a painter I don't really think that he you know wants to watch it's like an hour of your time every week you know and he's like well I think he should and I said do you watch and he's like I'm going to make sure your mother's watching every week from now on. (laughs) (laughs) So my mom comes every week. So she's learned a whole lot more about graphic design and she got to see me and Dave's, my dad did too, got to see me and uh, Dave speak. And it was funny because she's like, and my mom's never been on camera. And, um, their internet's too crappy and um so um she was like i won't i'm worried i won't recognize people i'm like well nobody's gonna recognize you you're fine (laughs) you know just like (laughs) nobody will know and she's like well i recognize doc and i recognized amy lyons and i recognize some other people so i thought that was. Um, really sweet that she but she does ask me sometimes she's like oh you went a little long today Diane and I'm like <laughs> oh thanks mom but most of the time she'll tell me for real she was like yeah he was interesting or my friend Van she's like she's so cute she has such a great smile she is beautiful and then I've called Van and I'm like my mom thinks you're beautiful and then of course that's like oh sweet but it just there's something about like people just feeling like it somewhere they could come i don't have as many downloads as y'all so then if you're starting to talk of stats on that stuff it's like quality murr, murr.
0: no it's quality not quantity like you said if you've only got 24 people turn up those 24 people take part if we've had 500 this week nobody responded to my to my request or email yeah but they listened so that, well maybe
2: i I mean i don't know i I don't
0: know how it works there's there's a
2: difference because yours is a is definitely a more of a two-way street where you're you're getting feedback instantly and it's a conversation um this is a conversation between the three of us but it's not an active conversation between us and the listeners so it's kind of a different uh a different ball game um and again the ones i'll say the ones i
0: like is if you my, my favourite kind of podcast and this is why I started listening to The Honest Designers very early on because obviously I knew Ian I knew Tom I knew Dustin and I was getting to know Lisa and I'd be listening to that in the car and I'd be joining in the conversation like I was on a <laughs> call with them and it'd be like, oh man I wish I could <clears throat> I wish I could sit in on this I wish this was live because I'd love to give my feedback there or ask a question so if a podcast makes me feel like that It's a great podcast. If it's somebody... I mean, Alan and I have seen speakers on stage where um, it's just all about them. They they don't care about you. They just want to tell you how good they are, how long they've been good, and how much awesome they are than you. And I don't like those kind of speakers. I like the ones... That's what I love about... What was it? Glyn calls them gliders. They glide into a room and they glide out like they're... um, (laughs) something something special um but yeah that that's that that was the nice thing with creative south was all the speakers uh were helping everybody you know they were all telling stories they were all sharing experiences they were all asking questions um a couple of them were missed because i was doing the workshops but those that i saw you just sat there going ah And I just love that even though you, you can't take part in the conversation, it made you feel like you could take part in the conversation. You could if we also, you went, Purr. Purr. right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: what? I, one thing I haven't asked you, what was your mum's
1: feedback about our tour? Oh, she was like, um, <laughs> she's like, Some now, did you get to meet my mom, Dave? Because she's real yeah, yeah, Southern, we, right? Oh, they,
0: yeah. they came into the box. Oh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. And your, so, was it your auntie or your cousin? My
1: cousin, my one of my yeah. oldest cousins. So she's like, sometimes I couldn't understand Dave. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. She's like, I was like, well, I guess maybe I've spent more time with them because I understood everything. <laughs> but it was your accent that got her a couple times but she was like it was funny i didn't know what was wrong with the slides unmotivated on there was a lot of times i was like that was in the layers it wasn't supposed to be there but she was like it was fine my dad of course he's um he uh he had a stroke uh, about 10 12 years ago and so he's he was like diane you had a um a stage presence that I didn't expect. And, um, I was like, well, thank goodness I was up there with Dave. Cause would have been slinking under the couch with these slides <laughs> the way they were, you know? Um, but it was, it was really sweet. And I, my mom's like, is this it? This is all we're getting? Cause I was going to maybe go to lunch with them. And I was like, yeah, mom, I gotta go run the booth. And she's like, Oh, this is very disappointing. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> so she was more disappointed that she'd driven two hours and didn't get enough time with me, I guess.
0: Oh, uh, see my family because obviously I come over to America to do all this, my family have never seen me do any of this. This is a this is a, a like a side of me that only my American friends know. Uh, which I kind of like because I think I'd maybe be a bit nervous if if my family were there but i'd also be i mean i'd love i'd love you know my wife and daughters to see me on stage doing my thing because it's yeah you know, i want them to be proud of me but i i kind of like that it's a it's a different day if i jump on a plane i come over and i get to do my thing now sp- speaking of creative south and and speaking on stage that wasn't your first rodeo so
1: it was the first speaking, one where my deck was so messed up Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: but I'm um, going to ask you about your introduction with Creative South. Like, How did you end up that? But how many times had you spoken in public, not not as a professor or a teacher, but actually at an event being a guest speaker? Is there, how many times had you done that before we did ours? It's
1: like at a, I know you, at a big, like you, where there's over...
0: A conference, yeah. and any, any conference. How many times had you actually been up on stage and thought, you know, this is another step? I I need to be on stage and tell my story. Because not a lot of people like doing that. It's a whole different skill.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, And thankfully, I had a great partner. Um, So Dave was a great... uh, You were really funny and you...
0: Oh, we nailed it. We did good. We, I, we nailed but it. But it, it—it
1: was those awesome slide deck. Alan, people would be like, "Was that? What, did you do that on purpose?" Because you were yes. embracing being awkward. I was like, "Oh my god, no! I did not do that on purpose." <laughs> I was so like at first. I remember the first slide was okay, but the second slide with their digits, the numbers, and I'd use this t- font that I love called Numbers and Numbers in Daisha, or well, I don't know how to say that word, but anyway, I'd use that, and then I was like, "Oh no." This isn't looking like... And I remember (laughs) Dave's doing it because it's a blue slide. So we have blue for Dave and orange for me. So it would be very good visual, you know? Like I'd really put a lot of time into this 145 slides. And slide two, it's like the types messed up. And I was like, oh... And I can I, smell
0: the fig. Oh,
1: oh, and, and then I would and then Dave starts looking behind us, like the one on <laughs> the the little confidence monitor. Like maybe it'll
2: be different on the big screen. <laughs> like I'm just seeing yeah, it, so a speed I, up version.
1: No, he he's just like, yeah, Diane did the slides, you know, and then Dave's like, you know, I didn't even go to college for this. And I'm like, and I did. I have a master's degree, and this is what I did, people. Um, but they did look good before it got converted. Um, (laughs) but I don't remember what the question was, Dave. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, the question was, um, I'd been on a few times
1: for other things. I've been MC for things and I, um, I just have, uh, I don't, I just want it to be about whoever it's, whoever it is. And so I think being a host for so long has been really helpful. Um, I've asked questions on as a MC or as a person asking questions on stage. I've been on stage Uh, within a panel, I've done, um, I've given some talks. I I think my first one maybe was 2000. So in 2011, I spoke at that conference called CCAC for, um, the art professors. And so it was like 30 people in a room. So, you know, I, I've started small, you know, you start small and then I've done, um, some bigger conferences, but, um, Creative South is probably the biggest that I've done, Um, but I am awkward, and I think it's okay. You just have to, I'm short, and I'm loud, and I don't need a mic, but I also am trying not to be, like, annoying, you know, like, meh, meh, right? But I also am (laughs) like, we gotta get, gotta get keep going and then dave's turning this way you know looking at the slides and i just went over there and i turned his body yeah yeah she
0: goes uh dave um everyone can see that you need to look at like she she told me off on stage (laughs) It was like i'm sorry (laughs) but then
1: he was able to like they could see him and um so i love seeing people video because i don't have i have a bad ear so dave has one bad ear and i have one no he has one bad eye and i have one bad ear so together we make a good pair so when on clubhouse it's like super stressful to me i'm like did i miss something what did they say they said tony 18 who's tony 18 he said 2018 <laughs> they didn't say tony 18 you know it's all kinds of things that um so reading <laughs> your lips is really helpful to me
0: oh do you know the thing the one thing on stage that i, I was saying to another friend about when you're on stage you have that kind of thing where if you get someone's like a safe person to sit in the middle at the back you can look past everybody and see the back of the room and that's where your friend sits and they just give you the reassuring knot. and then as you kind of scan the room you kind of hope to see the like the nodding of approval the oh that's interesting but you'll also catch the eye of the of the guy or woman with their arms folded looking completely disinterested like i've come into the wrong room and now i can't escape when we were doing our presentation who do you think was the only person i could focus on
1: chris doe because he was right in the yes. middle i'm like chris, row.
0: right in the re- and i'm like oh god i'm up here on stage for the first time at creative south and here's the master of of like standing up on stage and doing these talks and he's just sat there and I was what? so nervous. I mean, I, I referenced him a couple of times because um, it was relevant. But yeah, just seeing Chris there was kind of a, it made me nervous, but it gave me confidence because I thought, well, if I'm going to get any kind of feedback out of this that's going to be valuable chris is going to be the one to give it so what did i do i go and upset him by saying about the self-published book
1: (laughs) well i I, he was leaving right before i was like hey where are you going and he's he's like i'm just gonna go to the room and get something i was like i'm on next he like (laughs) takes off running i'm like thank goodness he got back in time you know but i was like I was like, cause he's one of my mentors. I was like, yeah. hey buddy, are you not going to be back? My parents are coming, you know? Like, um, <laughs> and so I always was, I told my parents, I always have said, my mom will be like, well, who are you talking to? Who was on this week or whatever? And I'm like, it's my friend Chris from the future. My mom's like, your friend Chris from the future? What? <laughs> you know like she's concerned that now i have these internet friends that i <laughs> internet time traveling <laughs> <Right>. friends. <laughs> she was the first time and chris thinks that's hilarious but anyway those are he he was uh and he gave me some feedback he's like you should have let it go earlier about the um the slides you just kept going on and on that this deck was bad and i'm like okay next time i thought no, we right. did pretty good <laughs>
2: The, the, the first time I spoke in front of people, I put my wife in the audience. I was like, there's no way I'm leaving this to chance or finding someone in friendly face. And at least i know there'd be one person at the actual talk. So my wife is well, coming. I don't care what you do the rest of the time. But for that hour, you're going to be sitting in that room or I can see you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, then well, you
2: can go to the pool.
1: I think that uh, being a teacher for so long, so this will be my, this is my 20th year teaching um 19 years where i am i mean you know you get kids it's dark they get the glow in their crotch from their phone you know (laughs) and i'm like (laughs) and then they're just smiling inappropriately at their crotch you know and you're like oh please just pull your phone on the desk i would rather see it's creepy you know like and then kids will say You know, I missed, I was sick. Did y'all do anything important? And I'm, I always want to say, no, you know what? We noticed you weren't there, Janice. So we just had a pizza party and watched some episodes of friends, you know? Yes. Every day is important, but you would not believe the things during COVID that I had to say to kids like, Oh, I really like the color of your bedroom walls. You know, things I never thought I'd say, or do you have a shirt on? And they would be like, (laughs) no. And I'd be like, uh, I need you to put a shirt on, uh, I need. I need two kids, same class, didn't have a shirt on, not the same day, two different days. Like <laughs> wear clothes. I don't want you don't want to see me without my shirt on. So how about you wear a shirt too to class? You know. Anyway, so I've I, I, there's all that like nobody's laughing at my jokes. I get that every week, every week. So I'm used to that stuff. You know the
0: it's resilient it builds character <laughs> I've um like I, do, I work at the photography show and I, I would so love Alan's come over one year and be part of that but one of the things that I, I found helped was I get to manage uh, a stage so I get to watch people presenting for four full days and they're teaching they're talking about the career and I've picked up so many little tips and techniques of how they engage with the audience, um, how they pause, even rather than just come out and be like blah bla-la-la, blah bla-la-la, blah 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 and then they're finished. Is is they they stop and they pause and they make sure you've listened, and or you know does that make sense? Take a breath, even just a simple yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: <Don't>... Well, <coughs> Dave did something that was so funny, and I know we're not talking about our show this time, but or our thing this time, but. Yeah. Alan, it was so funny. So the kerning was terrible. So, you know, kerning is the space between mm-hmm. the letters. And so sometimes it was really tracked out. Ugh. And then sometimes it was really like how to, how to be a super friend. And that's how Dave would say it. Like, And it was all squished together. He would say it really <laughs> fast. And I was like, oh, at least I have somebody who is not like taking this so serious. And I feel so... Upset that everything I did was wrong. Oh. You did so good. That was so funny, Dave. And it was like, thank. I wouldn't have been able to do it. I would have just been like, oh my god, look at the kerning. Oh my goodness, another kerning.
0: Uh, but I mean, th- that was. I think that was the nice thing is all that experience, all that experience that that came with all those things before. You know, going out on that stage and. Well, it's like, anywhere you're representing someone. They put the faith and trust in you to go out and, and, you know, do a job. People have paid for this thing. You don't want to be bad. But being up on stage, on the Springer stage, you like when I first went to Creative South and I'm watching these great people up there and you're just thinking, you know, I never thought I need to be a speaker on that stage. It was only when Mike invited us that it was, I want to do a really good job. I couldn't have thought of a better person to be stood alongside me. To do what we did, because I think as a double act, we were really good, and I really hope we get to do that again on stage somewhere at another event. Because I think now we've done it, that presentation I know it could be is going to be twenty five percent better. Not including no, not slides aside, and content wise, export as JPEG, export as yeah, export (laughs) as JPEG. But I think just being able to stand up and have someone alongside you um, really helped dynamic as well. I think the dynamic is really good. Now, what is your history, Creative South? Because obviously that's where I met you.
1: Well, wait, Alan um, had a question. I could see it. No, oh, I, yes, just, sorry, I just think it's on. fascinating
2: because I've, I've done projects uh, presented with uh, another person. So Scott Deuce and I who's been on the show. We used to teach the um, concert photography, live con for, for Photoshop World and we had never actually met until we talked together. So we did everything online, and then we actually met the morning before we ever uh, spoke to the, We then we did it, um, we did 10 or 12 of them over the years. And by the last one, it was so vastly different from the first one uh, because we had spent the last nine fine tuning it, changing it, getting comfortable dealing with it. Um, and of course we used Keynote to build everything to begin with, And then we thought we were going to be really smart and use the Keynote app on our phones as a remote control so the two of us could then control the slideshow at the same time from two different sides of the room. Um, So the kerning was all good and the the slides all looked the same, but the jumping back and forth because we didn't know who was going to press the button next was... uh, was a learning experience all in and of itself. So I just, you know, I admire the fact that you guys actually could get up there and do it in person and not at the end of the day, you know, have a knife sticking out of your co-presenter's back as you're just like, <laughs> you know, I'm done with this. And, you know, it, it, it works out, it's a it's an amazing thing. But my what I really was thinking about originally is was that we are very, very lucky that what we do, uh, we can make fun of. And we can take it lightheartedly. And in the end of the day, if something goes horribly wrong, no one dies. It's not like brain surgery or flying a plane or, you know, doing something where there's actual, the consequences are terrible. So, you know, the slides got messed up or the poor people sitting in our class got to see Scott and I fight over who was going to, you know, (laughs) who <laughs> was going to advance to the next slide or not, because it kept going, skipping forward two, then back one, you know, for five minutes. And we're like, finally, you know, someone was like, could you two stop behaving like children and just, you know, have someone else do that. Um, so we can, we can be lighthearted about it. It's like, we can laugh about it. It's not, it's not a great thing, which to me is just the best part about it because at the end of the day, there's some days where man, I just want to cry, but you know, sit down and, and laugh about it is, is an amazing thing so we'll get
0: back to it had we had we been in the sony theater in in los angeles uh, doing a ted talk i I think i think it would have been a little bit different
1: they will be like (laughs) we'll do a take two on this one everyone uh (laughs)
0: yeah can we get someone else no but that i think as well is the audience uh like when you're when you're speaking at an event where you're comfortable with your audience i mean most people knew you anyway um and I think they, like, that's what I said I like about the vibe about Creative South is you're, it's, it's like filling a room with 800 puppies on the same day. Everyone just loves each other and they're all excited and they're all jumping around and not sniffing each other's butts, but we're we're all just in there, all excited, and I think that's what I love about it. Anyone, really, you could have pulled out anyone from the sta- anyone from the audience, and put them on stage, and everyone would have stayed in and listened to them. Yeah, because it's just that kind of audience. So, going back to my question, then is how did you end up with Creative South?
1: I don't remember how I found them in the beginning, um, but it was 2014, and I went, and I didn't have anybody to go with. Um, and so I, of course, I didn't think anything weird about that. I just went and I had my, one of my alumni who's older, she was an older student. She met me from Birmingham. So we kind of did it together. But then I met a whole bunch of people. I remember I met Mackie Saturday. We had lunch with him and his wife. And, um, and then I just, it was, um, I just met people. And I was just trying to meet people that it would be cool for the podcast. You know, I'm just like, Now, I didn't want just people who were on stage, but I tried to, like, get an idea of, you know, anybody I was talking to or whatever. And and then um, I met Kevin Green, who wasn't there this year. But um, we were standing in line together at Subway, you know, because we had gone to all the other places and everything was full. We had, like, 30 minutes to get back to eat and then get back. And I was like, so we just started talking. And uh, Kevin lives in New Jersey. And so we just started talking and... Ended up, you know, like there's one degree or six degrees of separation, yeah. right? So there was. He was talking. We were talking about um, my rate, my professor reviews, which aren't great. Please don't look them up. Um, but I'm a hard teacher, and like the kids at the uh, at the lifeguard, you know, I would tell them to walk. We would have fun if you were willing to walk, you know. Um, but yeah. there were rules to follow. So he and I, he his professor was somebody who I used to work with like three or, you know, maybe, I don't know, seven years before that it was just random. That one person had taught at my little school and also taught where he had gone to school. And I think stuff like that, just that people are willing and to um, just be friends and people are willing to talk that that was like what sealed the deal for me. Um, The tagline is come as friends, leave as family. And I really do. I mean, I've been to how conferences I've been to other design conferences, AIGA, and all of them are great. They have all great speakers, but there's something different about the vibe and the people at creative South, just that there's, they just really are coming in as just so when you said like there are gliders, there are speakers who are gliders and then there are people who you got the wrong buggy at the grocery and it's like, well, womp, 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 womp. you know, <laughs> that one wheel that just doesn't go like that. We're all that g- cart. Nobody is a glider. Yeah. You know, they've just got some extra padding that's squished around their wheel and it's going to be okay for them to glide in and glide out. But we all have this womp, womp Um, you know wheel and so i think it creative south is just it lets people show that wonky wheel and um and we're okay uh and you're still loved for having that wonky wheel
0: absolutely because when you see so many people say I'm an introvert like how many introverts here you know put their hand up I wanted to do a how, how many people here uh, are an introvert and they put their hand up and then you go how many people here hate being told what to do put your hand up <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a place where introverts can go and I think that says a lot for the event Is because there are people are shy not very confident and Don't thrive in that kind of place, and yet, when they said like, "How many people here this year?" Given you know two years of a pandemic, and then we've we're still in that weird kind of transition of do I want to be at an event or not? The amount of new people that had gone to Creative South this year was amazing.
1: Yeah, there were a lot Um, of new people,
0: which I I would say would have been word of mouth, definitely. Um, a high percentage would have been worded. wasn't mouth
1: from facts. my podcast. Not that I would. <laughs> <laughs> it's just nobody's listening. It's okay, though.
0: But, um, it was it was just so cool that people feel comfortable there. I mean, you've ended up, you now run the volunteers. So tell us a little bit about the volunteer program, just in case. Just in
1: case somebody Anybody wants to come. next
0: year, someone wants to come next year and be a volunteer. Just explain what you do on the volunteer side. So
1: I started volunteering my first year. Now, I didn't do a full, like, shift or anything. I just was like, hey, well, how can I help? And it, it was uh, two years it was organized by someone else, and I was a full volunteer the next year. Um, I still paid for my ticket, but I was, I did a full shifts and I was on their thing. And then that lady stopped doing it. And so Mike asked if I wanted to, or I said, I would be happy to. And I didn't really know what I was getting into, to be honest, because like spreadsheets are not my friends. I don't know if they're y'all's friends, but mm, I don't really like spreadsheets. Like some people are like, ooh, spreadsheets. And I'm like, <laughs> ooh, we're at the wrong conference. If I'm with spreadsheet people, you know, my sister's yeah. a spreadsheet person. Anyway, um, but I mean, I love my sister. She comes too most of the time. But anyway, so the I had to. It's a lot of organization. But one of my superpowers is that I can kind of know what people want. Like I can get to know them a little bit, or they can tell me some things that they uh, they like to do or that they just really want to have a job they didn't want to be standing around the corner with their phone you know out just cuz that was the only thing that made them feel okay i was like okay well then i know what you need to do as a job because it it makes you have something and and by having a job then you have to direct people or you you have you have a reason and then you will talk to other people because that's your that's one of your jobs so um i love that so it's really empowering so i will I, the magic happens I think as I'm planning and I do this at camp too. Like if two people are there at camp and they don't really get along, then I'm never going to put them in a room together. You know, like I'll break up two people into small groups. Um, so I, I know these things. And so some people are like, Oh, well, can't somebody else do this? And I was like, no, you don't remember that. Uh, you know, Braylon wants to be with Jody or Braylon wants to learn from Kyle and that's somebody who you know. I'm like, oh, okay, so no worries. Then I'm gonna make sure that these people are together or that they have opportunities, or that Courtney really wanted to see Doc speak, so I'm gonna make sure yeah. that she sees Doc speak. Um, and then I just make sure that they're prioritized. And so, for to be a volunteer, it's about $250 off your regular price ticket, which is a lot, it's not a free ticket, you still have to pay. Um, and then What happens is that you work six hours for me. You not all in one. That would be sucky. Your whole day would be gone. So I just break it into two hour shifts. Two hours, two hours, two hours, if possible. Um, Sometimes people have to work a night and a day, Um, but it's great. Like talk about a win win. They you get a much cheaper ticket and. And you have a job. So then that means you have a purpose. So for people who are introverts, it is amazing. I am not an introvert and I love this. But I'm talking to everybody. And if they don't have their thing around their neck, then I'm like, hey, you want to be car I'm five one. I'm like the best bouncer because I'm like, hey, where's your thing? Well you need to put it on. I might be a nice bouncer, but I'm totally getting them if they don't have that lanyard around their neck, right? And I know that there was a one other girl who had there she kept she's like, the lanyard's hurting my neck and I was like, Whatever. You know, I didn't say that, but I thought it and then Dave yeah. showed me his neck and he's like I have scabs on the back of my neck. I was like, okay, note. No, I still have them. A note to self. That girl was not lying. She did take her thing off and put it back around her neck, which I should have had like pins so that it wouldn't have been touching her skin. But I didn't make a note so that I won't, I will send that because there must have been some blend in that lanyard material that upset. I mean, yours caused blood.
0: I know. I don't, I don't even know how it happened because so I don't remember it. For, bit hurting, really. All one day, I have just sat there thinking, oh, it's something from the back of my neck. So it must have just been catching, I didn't realise. But, like, saying about the volunteers, Alan, is, like, I, I mean, we were speakers, but I wanted to help Diane. So I was meeting her in the
1: reception.
0: 6.15. 6.15. And we were walking over together, and we were just starting packing all the bags in the morning. And, the, you know, the volunteers were turning up at 630 you know, they were committed. They were lovely as well. Some of them were an's um students. Ford's mm-hmm. pupils, students, uh, some of your students, but they were all enthusiastic. And they weren't and, all students.
1: I, they were normal no. people. Uh, yeah,
0: just normal people. Normal coming.
1: designers, entrepreneurs just coming over.
0: But what I loved was even like the young students were so polite and would come and start a conversation. And it's like they've been taught well because they were, they were coming over, they were saying what they did you know, convert, you know, you've got an, I don't know, 17, 18, 19 year old kid talking to a 56 year old man with an English accent, but they were just so engaging. They wanted to learn. But the fact that they were turning up at half past six to to pack bags and help out was they didn't want to let Diane down. Or at least that's what I saw is you, you created a really good team there and they were turning up and doing it. The team. If you want to be, if you want to be a volunteer at Creative South, you get, like I say, probably not quite a half price ticket but almost um but yeah and and sign up to to be a volunteer and you, because you get you just such a go on no you go <laughs> no no you go okay don't, don't make this awkward okay so
1: if the, if you want to um volunteer you email me diane d-i-a-n-e at com, and then i'll send you a form and then you fill out the form and then I'll send you a code and, um, it's first come first, you know, but I don't usually run out of volunteer tickets. This year was really hard because I usually have about 50 volunteers and this year. They had given me 75. So I had 75 tickets to sell, but I had 27 people who didn't show. So not like they're like leaving me on the lurch, but they decided not to come cause of COVID or, um, they just, they, um, got sick right before it happened or whatever. And so it between March 1st and 2 days before Creative Start south started, I I had 27 people who who bailed. Not bailed in a bad way, you know, but yeah, it felt like a bail a little bit to me. Um but I don't at all feel I was just lower, like lower, so I had to have more shifts so I didn't get to like Dave and I didn't get to eat on the first day until I brought us back some uh, Chick Fil A. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And even then, I was like, that took me two hours to eat because all of a sudden I, I was in the workshop. But but yeah, I mean, I was telling Diane off because she was not eating and she was running around and get getting tired. But Alan and I have been, have been a te- we've been teaching assistants at Adobe Max. Um, I've been doing it since. 2016 i think you joined the year after um it's similar kind of thing we get our ticket and we get a ticket included but we have to do a shift um which is i think five five or six one hour classes we have to stand at the back of the room if someone puts their hand up so i tend to do the InDesign or the illustrator ones um but if you do a if you do a pre-con which is an all day it kind of wipes out 80% of your commitment, so I always do a pre-con, and then I've only got to do one session, but it's great because you get to stand at the back, you kind of learn and you go and help people, and all right, there's always the frustrating thing that winds us both up, is like here's the teacher, he's up on stage, you've all got these, you know, everyone's on an iMac they're all signed in to Creative Crowd you can follow along, and then you look across the room and someone's sat there on their phone doing whatever and then they're like, oh, um Sorry, I just missed those last four steps. You kind of want to go, well, put your bloody phone away, and you'd be speed with it, wouldn't you? And smack them across the head and walk away. <laughs> but it is good helping out. It's. I think at any conference now, I think I'd be more inclined to be, um, you know, even if I was a speaker, I'd still be, I'd still like to help. I've done I'm there anyway.
1: Yeah, I've done that as a speaker. Uh, I... I spoke at Ben Design Conference. I was a workshop leader. And um, so I had asked them, I was like, you know, I'm happy to volunteer. And I remember telling Chris, he's like, why'd you do that? And I was like, because I think I need to... I, I like to be helpful. I didn't know really anybody, and so I was like, "Well, I could just i I'm volunteer coordinator at another conference. I could help you. I could check people in. I can, you know, alphabetize. <laughs> Hopefully, it's not taking money. Um, but I, you could have somebody else doing that part. But then they were like, "No, we're good. We don't need you." And I I realized what they were saying. So I was like, "Well, can I at least hold the door open or something?" And they were like, "Sure." So I did, and then I made friends doing that because it was cold and so i was like hey you want to... good morning good morning that's all i did was really good morning then i just talked to people and if they were standing and they started looking at their phone i would be like hey what do you do and then i'd meet somebody else and i'd bring them in and then i'd talk to them for a little bit and i'd leave them but then they had a friend you know they had a buddy
0: oh. yeah i like that thing. think they're walking with their phone you just slap it out <laughs> their hand no <laughs> concentrate focus <laughs> I've got a question for that i sorry. I, I just no, you 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 ask yours, Alan, because then no, no, I've got a question that's not related that, to I that. Just,
2: I, I find it, I get actually get more out of a conference if I'm doing something other than passively attending, just my brain is engaged in a, in a different way. Um, and that's even just from having a purpose. There's a lot of times you walk in and there's a, already something up on the screen, like Think of you know like oh I'm like not just waiting to be told stuff I'm actively doing something, and I think that really makes it a better conference at least for people who learn like I do. Um, I'm I'm convinced of that, and uh, I mean part of it is that I tend to volunteer <laughs> max. For classes where I have friends who are the instructors, and then I realize I have no idea what the hell they're talking about, so like a week beforehand, I get sent the class notes, and then I go and study it and try to figure out exactly how to do all these things in Illustrator, which I open exactly once a year, the week before Adobe Max to learn out how to do these things, and um, but I learn more that way than I do if I'm just sitting in a in a room trying to follow along. I. I I'm a firm believer that those kind of people like me, we need to have uh, a task because if you just let me sit in uh, in front of you, my, my brain will wonder. It it does it really well. It's had years and years of practice of not paying attention to the person in the front of the room, <laughs> you know, from all of my schooling through, through all that stuff. So um, volunteering, I think, is a fantastic way to get more out of a lot of those conferences. I, I recommend it. Yeah. I haven't done South. I
1: need to, but. Well, next year I need volunteers, Alan.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it's really interesting because with Alan being a photographer and I the a similar thing with Glenn is because they're photographers and I'm a designer, it's, I find it weird how, uh, like I can go to a photography conference and not feel out of place, but a lot more photographers feel massively out of place at a design conference but I think they should cross over, and you can learn so much from being in a different audience and picking up a different kind of um advice that my question Alan kind of answered really was what what would be your best piece of advice for anybody going to a conference for for the first, second or third time so I saw something that someone shared that was amazing, that um journaling, people taking notes that's something I'm guilty of not doing at a conference, but what would be for you? If you, if someone was deciding to go to a conference like creative South, what would be a a piece of advice you'd offer them as a, at least do this one thing. So
1: I definitely think volunteering is really important. Um, But I would say if you go with friends or you are meeting people there, then make sure every meal, unless you're having a private conversation that you ask somebody else who doesn't look like they're, to go with you hey do you have somebody or sit next to somebody else try to always make sure you're sitting next to a stranger because I've met some really really good friends by just sitting next to them and then I've had really good conversations at lunches just by talking to somebody who was walking and they didn't have anybody to eat with and man that makes somebody feel so good to just not have to eat alone you know, and
2: you've and already I'd... got a whole bunch of stuff in common, so it's not like you're starting out with a complete stranger. You're right, at the same conference for the same reason. Well, you know, something's going to be right,
1: and it's one meal. One meal. You're not having to spend all you know three days with them, but one meal. Why can't you ask somebody to eat one meal, at least one meal, eat with a stranger? You know.
0: Yeah. Diane said a really cool thing. There was loads of cool things she came up with. Um, My favourite still is the pollinating. What we do is pollinating. But Diane said a couple of really good things that were there. One is if you're in a group, don't be a closed group. Have gaps so that other people can come in and join the conversation. Because there's nothing worse than seeing a clique of people And not feeling like, oh, I'd really love to be part of that conversation. But they're obviously, very obviously making a noticeable thing to keep other people out. So if you have a group of people, keep it open so someone can join in. And Diane did this really cool thing, which was, um, like, everybody stand up if you came to this event already knowing somebody or with somebody. So all these people stood up. And then she said, okay, all the people sitting down need company, need a friend, need to be invited to dinner. These are people who don't know anybody. So make an effort to help them out. And I thought, oh, this is genius. This one girl, Nao- Naomi,
1: she came up to me after and she was like, if you had said all the people who came alone stand up, I would have never stood up. I was like, I know, yeah. I'm not a dumbass. You know, I know it. <laughs> and, um, and then I said, do you have lunch plans? And I had to like take over a shift because something wasn't working on my iPad at the merch table, but I had lunch plans that day, the day I didn't eat lunch because I had gotten yeah. Chick-fil-A. But anyway, so I, um she was like, no, not yet. And I was like, and she talked to me a little bit about who she was and where she was. And I was like, how about, and then my friends came and they were we were all going to leave to go to lunch. And I was like, Naomi's going to join us. And then I realized I couldn't go. And I'm like, Naomi's <laughs> going to take my place. So, and then she went and made friends and then she ended up having lunch with them again um on friday and i was like this is this is what's great and then there was a family reunion so people were playing uh ball and doing stuff and i always do a zoom with all my i did like five or six zoom options Mm. so that people could come uh the volunteers could at least see another volunteer beforehand you know and at least get to know somebody um And there was this one girl who was also from California, and this girl, Naomi, was from California. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go find Haley, and um, I'm going to get her connected to you, because they were literally from the same town. And they literally live like three or four blocks from each other in real life, which I thought was really cool, but they met in Georgia. So I said, and that girl was really tall, and I'm good with remembering faces and... You know what people's names are and so i went and i was she was in the middle of playing like some cornhole or something and i was like come with me and then because i didn't want to lose the other girl you know like her to go to the bathroom or something and i was like come with me i want to introduce you to this girl and um and then they got to be friends so i'm i'm really excited but one thing i do that's weird that is I think a good thing. And me and Dave did this at the end of our talk. We put our phone numbers and our email addresses and our handles at the end. He said, Dave needs new friends. <laughs> so Diane needs new friends. But every week I have a thing on, a, I have a zoom meeting that I try to schedule and I do pretty good about scheduling it. That's where I make a new friend. So Alan, you're my new friend this week so far. <laughs> um, and but I try to meet one new person a week and if you're if you feel like oh my gosh I could never do that but who cares Alan doesn't ever have to talk to me again he can never come to creative south and never volunteer and never he could probably avoid me even if he does come to creative south that'll be a little bit difficult buddy because I get around (laughs) but um but you know I just think it's one it's just like one meal it's one hour out of your week you could make A new friend and then you don't you won't be going alone because it takes a lot of guts to go to a conference alone and maybe you guys have both been to a conference alone um it takes a lot of guts because you know you either have to be on your phone on the side of the room or you have to be willing to be uncomfortable and talk to people and over and over and over and so i just think meet as many people as you can beforehand and then they can connect you with other people. You need a Dave. Like people have said, Dave is me in the UK in a man's body. Right. And people have said, (laughs) Dave is, I am Dave, uh, the American girl version, you know, I I have not seen (laughs) uh, you in
2: action, but yeah, it's really interesting to walk around a conference with Dave. It is an actual fascinating experience. And I can think of, Oh, uh, Aunt Pruitt or a bunch of other people that I've met just because I was standing Dave adjacent at, you know, a, a conference <laughs> and um, all the other people who were Dave adjacent. We start talking to each other and it literally, you know, it, it it's blossoming. But I, I've been getting your emails uh, for years. You just don't recognize the other email address I, I use it's uh it's my apple rocket phone.
1: boy 807 no i shot kidding. live <laughs> shot
2: live photo at mac i don't mind it's oh. out there shot Life photo is my is my, oh, my cool. website so there's a bunch of versions of that in various ways but oh yeah i get your email updates and in, in, in my the design recharge stuff every
1: yay thanks oh that Thursday, made my day <laughs> well, no, yeah
2: um but yeah because I, I always thought that going to like when I first went to a conference uh, after many years, like the first time I actually went to one was as an instructor, which was really bizarre. It was a very odd experience because I had been as, a, as an attending years before and it was a whole different experience. It was here in my town. I didn't do any of the extra stuff. I went down, I took the classes, I came home um, yeah. and talked about it incessantly to my wife for four years afterwards. She'd, became a running joke. And I'd be like this one time at Photoshop World, you know, and it would just spiral out from that. Um, But uh, uh, the one thing that I did, and I made sure that I did it when I went there, is is that I was in public and tried to be as approachable as I possibly could, which is not as easy for a large bearded, six foot two grumpy looking person who is honestly quite grumpy most of the time. But tried really hard to be approachable and told people who were coming who I knew were coming who wanted to come and wanted to go to the conference that the best thing they could possibly do was just literally talk to anyone that they wanted to speak to because we're all there kind of for the same reason. So, um, yeah, you know, it's how I met Dave. It's how uh, a lot of friends I still have a lot of friends we have in common Teresa Jackson people I met due to that kind of stuff and uh, it was very difficult it was not an easy thing so I really try to to include as many people as I can into anything we do because it was really not easy for me to do it I much rather be hiding out in the flower even when I work I try not to be seen I'm, I really have tried to master the job the art of invisibility while I'm doing my job it's like um, so i human wallpaper yeah, I, I call it i just uh, my, my wife has lost me in an empty room because i stand stock still in one <laughs> spot and don't move and people's eyes just go right past me was, you know my wife's like where were you standing over there in the corner i was watching everything
0: <laughs> good. um well i do thing is i got you in an elevator you couldn't hide my right. my fir- my first ever conference uh proper conference was i just joined uh NAPP, which is now Kelby One, and and I really wanted to go to this photo, this event called Photoshop World. I'd seen it advertised in a magazine, and I just decided. And this is something I say to a lot of people: is it, don't don't look at it as oh that's expensive. Think of it as well, you know if you join a pro group or you you buy a training it's five six hundred dollars sometimes a thousand dollars for these things going to an event is an investment in yourself so every job you do like put twenty dollars away put fifty dollars away and just let it build up and call it like your conference pot and then when when a conference comes along it's affordable like obviously flight hotel and being at the conference um Go, go to it because this Photoshop world cost me an arm and a leg. I mean, I had to fly to Vegas, pay for a hotel room in Mandalay Bay. Uh, I, th- I think I might have got my ticket. F- no, I think I bought my ticket that year as well. Um, I might have got it for free. Nancy might have got it. But anyway, I, I just thought I was going to be this tiny fish in a massive pond. I mean, there were like 3,000 people probably that year. Um, And, I, you know, Alan, lifelong Friend, where it was just a chance meeting in an elevator, I knew who he was. I didn't even have a smartphone, I had a Nokia, but most I could do was text, so it wasn't like I had a distraction. It was... That kind of text, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and then I went to this the, the night before they have this thing called the meet up or the tweet up, as it was. And uh, I walked down on my own, super keen, got there early. Um, Teresa Jackson, um, uh, Alan just mentioned Teresa was there early. So we got chatting and and we became lifelong friends. And and Dave Cross, who's one of the Photoshop guys, who's like, Oh my god, it's Dave Cross. Um, yeah. he'd been he'd lived in England, he played football. We were chatting for an hour. I've got friends mm-hmm. from that day, from that event, that I still keep in touch with, that we still message, they still, you know, if I post stuff, they still like it. And it's lovely that I was, you know, turning up in going to Las Vegas for the first time and being, holy crap!
1: But it's not just I
0: don't know what I am going to. It's
1: not just the investment in money, Dave. You also said I am not going to waste this time, and Alan did the same thing. I am not going to do what's comfortable because it is way more comfortable to either go with friends or not go, or go teach your class and then go home. Right. So, or yeah. or go back to your thing. But to sit in the seat uncomfortably and then talk to somebody who's next to you, and if they don't talk to you, then you have to turn to the next person, or turn to the person in front of you, or turn to the person behind you. Those people can't really go walk away. Those are the easiest no. ones to talk to. Is when you turn around because they are looking forward, right?
0: Exactly. And if I'm a speaker as well, but I think this is just me. Even if I'm a speaker, I will go and visit my friends other people's classes and sit in there because it's like we all need emotional support we all need confident we as much as we can all stand up on stage and look like the most confident people in the world we're not i mean look at chris you know chris is such a down-to-earth guy everyone assumes he's like always hyper on the go like a gary v kind of thing but he's not he actually enjoys that downtime from it so i like going to all the events um you know and photoshop world there are speakers who don't do that. Um, am not going to name names, but it's noticeable when you go that it's like, you guys should be coming to the meetup. You should be coming to Midnight Madness. You should be going and attending other sessions. You should be walking around the conference, going into the expo hall. Um, and that's something else. In the expo hall, I go around and say hello to all the people running the expo because nothing sadder and more lonely than being in an expo hall trying to sell your stuff amongst a load of other people selling their stuff. So, if whether you're a speaker, you know, a volunteer or just an attendee, go to as many lessons as you can. Go and support anybody. Go and help walk around the expo. I, funny enough, one this um, Nick from Mama's Sauce, um, I was going to my first Adobe Max in San Diego, um, where I went to stay with Alan for the first time. And I really loved Mama's Source stuff. I'd seen them because of, um, Aaron Draplin so i kind of messaged nick and said oh i love printing i love letters you know i love what you do i can't wait to see because they were running this little workshop thing and uh anyway i rock up at san diego conferencing i was a, i think it's the day before and i'm outside and nick sambrato he pulls up he's trying to get all his stuff out the back of his car and i was walked over and said do you want, do you want to with that mate and he was like Dave, (laughs) because we had this joke about I'm really chuffed, Uh, I'm chuffed about it. He loves the word chuffed. So I was helping Nick bring all his stuff into the expo hall and helping him set up and we become really good friends because of that. And that's what I love are the friendships you build Mm -hmm. are sometimes more valuable than what you were, you know, if you look at the cost of a ticket versus classes you go to, it's the, we we said about wealth. It's the friendships and the relationships are worth more.
2: The, the people you meet is way is worth way more than the information you get. There is there is no you can get the you can get the secrets to, to building the best business in the world. You can have all the stuff anyone wants to teach you. The people you meet and the connections you make are worth way more than that in the long run. Every single time, just but it took guts. Goes...
1: Yeah, it took guts for you to to. And it it that is it's really difficult. I've found a lot of people really don't, and so that is, you should do a podcast just about how to get out of your, um, not that you have to, of course, but as two introverts, <laughs> you could you could talk about that because to me that seems like something that oh, that would be really easy. helpful.
2: Just find Dave. Just hang out <laughs> next to Dave, and obviously <laughs> now hang out next to you. It's it's the. It's... God, it does need, work. Lo- <laughs> it works. It works
1: great.
0: <laughs> well, you get you get to be a different person. That's the thing. I mean, you you're you, Diane. That's what I love about you. You're so just genuine. From you know, from the first second you wake up to the last second your eyes are open before you go to sleep, is you are that genuine, authentic person. I think a lot is a lot to be said for that. So, I kind of get to be a little bit of a different Dave when I go to conferences because. The only thing they know about me is our shared love of the thing we're there for. But I don't. Uh, they don't know me. They don't know my insecurities. My my. You know, but the stuff I I, I have to get over. Um, but that gives me the confidence because they're. Pro- I always think they're probably the same. Not everyone. It's not like everyone in the world is super confident, and you're not. All these other people all have these same things as you. So it gives me that little bit of confidence that, well, what's the worst that can happen? They don't want to talk to me or they're rude. They're lost. They can go about their day being grumpy. Whereas I want to talk to them. I don't care if I don't even know what we've got in common. I'll learn something like you do. I learn something about them that I remember that's a commonality that when we talk again, how's the thing? How's your dog? How's your lawnmower?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So anyway... Right. We could go on for another two hours. I'm, g- I, <laughs> I'm going to call it a day now and just say, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on Diane. Thank you so much for taking the time. Cause I know you are super, super busy. Um, and like with anything with UK and, and overseas, there's always that time difference where it's my evening. It's your, your daytime. Um, I do want to get you back on and I do want to talk about what we spoke about. Uh, I want to make that a podcast episode. Um, but for now, thank you for letting everyone get to know you. Everyone, go and follow Diane. Um, what's the best places for them to find you? So because I'm and then and then sign up to your newsletter. Okay,
1: so because I'm changing my handle, the best is Creatives Ignite because I think that um, since it's not just designers. See, Alan's been a member for forever, and um, thank you for continuing to be a subscriber, Alan. Um, But it's so it's not just designers. So I'm changing it to creatives ignite because we, when we're together, um, we ignite each other. And so I think that that's a better, better name. And so that's what every, that's the best way on all the platforms I am on that. I'm not as good on Twitter yet, but. I think I still have my design recharge. I do have a Creatives Ignite, but I don't know how to transfer it yet. And I'm not, like, super stressed on getting that done. So, um, (laughs) but that's the best way. And if you want to email me, Diane at creativesignite.com. Or you can can put my phone number in the thing if you want, 251-604-2352. Please no spam. Or a car what are they those people trying to sell Final you yeah car warranty, yeah, call warranty. Yeah. i know yeah. i'm not gonna get a car warranty people but everybody else um could with.
0: <laughs> and if you do if you do please introduce yourself to diane and please say you found her through me or alan or the podcast because i think this is one of the things we said was sign up for people's emails open them communicate with them respond to them because it it all helps it all matters so if you do contact diane or you sign up please just ping her a message and say hey i found you through he shoots he draws or or dave or alan
1: yes thank you guys so much for yes. just giving me so much time and i am so glad that um you thought it was interesting enough after i told you i like to mow um so <laughs> so i just uh, appreciate that um I made a new friend with Alan today. So thank you. And just Dave, thank you for always just uh, lifting me and being just a great bottom cheerleader. And they'll get that next time when we do the part two. Yes.
0: Exactly. You'll know. Cliffhanger. Bottom cheerleaders. Yes. Dun, dun, dun.
1: <laughs>
0: All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Um, we we will have another couple of guests from Creative South. Um, one of them we spoke about earlier, Debbie Clap. Clappett, is going to be coming on uh, as a guest as well. Uh, but yeah, you're going to be hearing a lot more about Creative South uh, coming up. But uh, for now, I'm just going to say thank you, Diane. Thank you, Alan. And uh, don't forget to find us on all the socials, He see Draws. And uh, we'll see you next time.